0: Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select Our Show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashian Season 2, Episode 3 Recap. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. The way that I see it is like Episode 1, Emmy award winning television, episode two, almost insulting that they would give us that specifically after episode one. And then episode three, somewhere in the middle, not incredible, but very enjoyable to watch.
1: It was like a five or a six. Like there's not that much to talk about and discuss, but I had so much fun the entire time.
0: Well, that's the thing. My scale is totally different if I had a podcast or didn't have a podcast. Cause if not, what a fun watch specifically if you're high, but it's not like episode one level content.
1: Right. Like, there's not that much to really delve into, but if I'm being honest, of course I could talk about Chris Jenner being high for the rest of my life and never run out of things to say about it.
0: That scene felt personal. I wanted to say to her, how do you know that the Camino edibles, specifically the watermelon flavor, is our religion?
1: I wanted to say to her, by the way, if you get really into those, they make them in a 10 milligram now.
0: (laughs) I mean, that whole scene I love because it's so relatable. No matter who you are, whether you are Chris Jenner or Khloe Kardashian, if you're walking into a legitimate dispensary in California, you got to show your license. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to get screwed in taxes the same way all of us are. Like, It just feels a very universal experience.
1: When Khloe had that moment of like $732 at the dispensary, expensive trip we're on, I'm like, that just happened to us. It really catches you off guard when they tack on those extra taxes you
0: really don't expect it coming, but you know something? They have you by the balls because what are you going to do? Not buy it when you're already at the register?
1: But you know what? I, I made this point, I think it was the last episode, where something I love about Chloe is that she's the one that really has those moments where she'll reflect on how expensive something is. And so obviously Chris doesn't bat an eye at paying $700 at a dispensary, but Chloe had a moment of like, holy shit. I love it.
0: Chloe can both be in it and then also have a bird's eye view of the situation, specifically when it comes to Chris.
1: I know we have spoken about a lot of dynamics, specifically Chris and Kylie. But I have to tell you, um, it's Chris and Chloe. That's the one, yeah. If I'm choosing my one that's
0: going to the finals, like my ultimate submission, it, it's Chris and Chloe, but not to downplay Chris and Kylie because there's something very special there as well. But I think Chris and Chloe is just always the most comfortable.
1: It's the most comfortable and it's the most fun because they're the two most fun people in the family.
0: I'll tell you though. a Chris Chloe Corey trio is pretty fun to watch.
1: You know what? I have to say that I notice this every single time Corey is on the screen. He pulls out Chris's chair every single time they sit down.
0: No, you can tell he's really good to her. And honestly, they give us a lot. I don't mean to sound ungrateful. I feel that we do get a lot of Chris Corey content, but I want to know more. Like, I don't think we ever really have a full, true understanding of the dynamics of their relationship, like their day-to-day, for example. And I want that so badly. Like, does Corey live with her full-time? Do they ever stay at his house? Where is his house? Like, these are all the things that I want to know that I really don't. Oh, I always assumed he lived with her full-time. I'm sure at this point he probably does. But for example, a few episodes ago when they're at her Beverly Hills condo, like I wonder if Corey has something like that or honestly where he was living before. Like as much as I feel that we know them so much as a couple, I also realize there's so much we don't know, which honestly is probably because there's so much about Corey that we don't know.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. It's not that we don't know them as a couple, because I actually think that of all of the couple dynamics on the show, maybe with the exception of Travis and Courtney, we kind of know Chris and Corey the best. I think the piece of information that we're missing is Corey pre-Chris. And that's been a very big topic of discussion on the show before. All of the kids kind of have their questions of like, okay, we know Corey now, but like, give us a little bit more about the pre-Chris era.
0: Yeah, we don't have much about the pre-Chris era. I'll tell you, whatever he's doing. He's doing something right because she feels really peaceful and really happy every time she's around him.
1: Yeah. And you can see that. I just think he really takes care of her. I think that she's used to taking care of everybody around her. And you can see in the way that they interact that his first responsibility is always to like be protective and take care of her. And I think she really, I think she didn't realize how much she needed that because that was definitely not her dynamic with Caitlin. No, not at all. And, but honestly, I think that
0: she probably didn't want it to be her dynamic with Caitlin for a while there. you know. I think Chris feels a lot of comfort in full control. That's what she's built her entire business, her entire brand on. So to almost give that up for a second and say, you know what, you can take care of me. I think that's a big deal for her. I don't think it's something that necessarily comes naturally. Because if anything, if you look at her relationship with Robert, from what we've received, that feels more similar to Corey. And then it's almost like she did a 180 with Caitlin. And now it feels that she's maybe okay with that more, quote, taken care of. Although different than with Robert, she's fully in control of her finances and is so much more knowledgeable about all of those aspects that she really turned a blind eye to.
1: Well, that's kind of it. It's like each relationship is a correction of the last. So after her divorce with Robert, she made it very clear that she felt like She didn't know anything like she left that relationship and was like, oh, my God, I don't even know how to really balance a checkbook. Like everything was always taken care of for me. So when she was with Caitlin, it was really that control that she didn't have the last time. And now with Corey, it's almost like finding that balance between the two. And it feels like she found the
0: balance perfectly because I think she's in control of everything she wants to be in control of. Yet she can also feel like at the end of the day, things are going to be handled. Exactly. So the way we split this episode up isn't necessarily by scene. It's more so by person. And I see you started with Kim, which I think is a great choice.
1: I think so, too. I mean, to me, that was the bulk of the episode. I don't think it was the most exciting, but to get that glimpse into Kim and Kendall in both their professional world and their personal relationship, which we don't often see a lot of, to me was amazing.
0: Well, we see Chloe so much more in that maternal role when it comes to Kylie and Kendall that you forget Kim's right. That was a whole side of her that existed. I mean, think about it in Kendall's early modeling days. It was Kim that took her to New York. We saw a lot of that, especially because I think for Kim not to say she saw Kendall as a business, but she did. She saw her real potential and she wanted to fine tune that. But now in recent years, it's been so much more Chloe. So I loved seeing Kim, you know, coming to Kendall's hotel room late at night, bringing her pasta. Like that just feels like such Chloe behavior.
1: Yeah, it was. And you know, it's interesting because you can see that difference in terms of the way they take care of the siblings. Whereas they both kind of fill that mom role, but Chloe fills that mom, mom role when she talks about Kendall and Kylie. And Kim really fills the momager role. Totally. And to me, I always took it
0: like those are the aspects of Kendall and Kylie's lives, the business side of things that Kim not only can appreciate the most, but also can be the most helpful in. Like if Kylie's sick, one aside from the fact that Kim has no patience for it, Kim's not the person
1: you want to call. That's a Chris or a Chloe job. Right. Listen, the thing with Kim is that she undoubtedly values work ethic above everything else. So when it comes to Kylie and Kendall, that role of momager, yeah, of course she's so caring and she loves them and they're her siblings. And so no matter what they do, no matter the work ethic they have, she would love them and take care of them regardless. But when you're in a situation with Kim where she sees your work ethic and your work value, and then you're working hard, that need to take care of you goes up a notch because she wants to protect that.
0: Totally. And we've seen it be an issue with Kylie because Kim has no patience for when Kylie pulls out last minute or cancels on things. And I think, you know, one thing she really respects about Kendall is that she always shows up. And they were talking about it last week where, yeah, last week's episode was a flop, but I do think there's a lot of truth in the idea that, Kim and Kendall have bonded in recent years over the fashion aspect. Like, if you're looking at the entire family, I would definitely say it's the two of them that are the most respected in the fashion world by a long shot. You know, then it's Kylie. And then
1: there's a big step down before it's the rest of them. Oh, absolutely. And I think that the area where you can see the way that work ethic affects Kim's relationships is in her relationship with Courtney. I mean, so much went into that change in dynamic between Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. But I think one of the biggest things that happened between Kim and Courtney is that Courtney didn't want to work in the same way that Kim did. And Kim could not wrap her head around that or understand or honestly respect it. No, I
0: absolutely think that was a huge thing that contributed to it. And as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, but why does that impact Kim? They can have different relationships to work and it shouldn't impact their relationship. And I still do believe that. And if you ask Kim, I don't know if she would call that out as one of the reasons, but to me, I've always viewed it like, It's not that Kim needs Courtney to work hard. It's not like we're in the OG days where all of their success was really relying on one another. And if, let's say, Courtney didn't want to open up a dash, that would have been detrimental to Kim and the family. It's not that. Kim can stand on her own and she knows that. I just think Kim has a hard time fully respecting a person that she doesn't feel has the same work ethic that she does. Whether that's a correct belief system or not, I've just always felt that's the way that Kim views things. So it's like this maybe lingering frustration she has for Courtney that potentially shows up in other aspects.
1: I don't know, but yeah, I've always viewed it like that. I think Kim also views it as like, that's how we were raised. Like we, you know, when they talk about their childhood, they talk about Chris never letting them sleep in and the work ethic that their dad instilled in them. And so I think for Kim, it was something that was so, so important to her and continues to be. And it's almost like the first thing she looks at when she meets somebody is like, what's your work ethic? And so, for Courtney, not to say that she doesn't have that, but just not to value it in the same way that Kim does, I think Kim can't possibly understand that. And I think for Courtney, understandably as well, it's like, why can't you just do your own thing and let me value the things in my life that I want to value? I can understand how that riff took place.
0: I got to say also, I mean, you don't know what you would do unless you're in the situation, obviously, but just hypothetically, if I'm Courtney and I'm sitting with a very, very comfortable amount of money and I know that I will be fine for the rest of my life, my children will be fine for the rest of their lives, even if I never work another day tomorrow just based on the the value in myself and my family alone, I understand taking a step back. I, I can't
1: judge her for that. Let me tell you, I know exactly what I would do. Cut me a check big enough tomorrow that I never have to work another day in my life and I won't.
0: You say that, but you probably would do, for example, the way she's doing Lemmy. Like that's a passion project that feels really exciting to her. I think it's more so you would never do anything that even felt remotely unenjoyable. Like you want to channel your passions and your excitement into work, but in work that doesn't feel like work, you know? Maybe. Maybe. Going back to Kim and Milan for a second, when she's in the room with all the Prada looks and the whole team, and you can tell she's jet lagged, but still really just taking it all in and a little bit taken aback by the fact that this has become her life. Every time she has a moment like that, I have a domino effect to that of like, I can't believe that you can't believe it because to me, she's so jaded to all of it. So
1: then when she has that, I appreciate it so much. Well, it's funny because I had absolutely zero concept of like this Prada show being anything out of the norm. I did not realize that this was Kendall's first Prada show that she walked in. And I definitely didn't realize that it was the first one that Kim had been to. No, me neither. I mean, I think what we've
0: seen for the last minimally year, but a long time before that is just Kim really taking to these brands, whether it's Balenciaga or Dolce & Gabbana and I don't want to say making her entire personality, but really being the face of it in such a big way that it feels like every designer is scrambling to work with her. So for her to, you know, have this overwhelming gratitude and amazement that Prada is receiving her in this way, you're right. I've lost sight of it. I've lost sight of what's a
1: big deal and what's not in her eyes. Well, we were just having that discussion when the Dolce and Gabbana campaign came out where we were like, Kim is everywhere every brand wants her to just be the face of it. She is doing everything right now. And it's crazy because I think typically when you have a celebrity, that's the face of a brand, they become so closely associated with it that, you know, when they do something else, not that it feels inauthentic, but it's like really, um, it's like a big change. And with Kim, it's like, if she's not the face of a brand, it feels weird. It's like, she can be Balenciaga, Prada, Dolce & Gabbana the face of all three at the exact same time. And each one feels like the perfect fit.
0: Well, because she fully immerses herself in every single one. I mean, it's the same way I feel when I'm walking down Fifth Avenue and I see the giant Stuart Weitzman photo of her. I'm like, hey, you are right where you meant to be. And I do
1: miss the one of Kate Hudson and Goldie Hawn, but I can't lie to you, it feels good seeing Kim there. It feels great. It's nice to see a familiar face always when you're walking down the street. It's the same way I feel about Haley also. It's the same thing. She just fits so seamlessly into every campaign that she does. And it seems like there's a million and one of them. But you know what's funny?
0: Even though Kendall is the supermodel of the family, I don't think the same could be said for Kendall in terms of her ability to be transferable in that same way. Not to say she's not everywhere, she is. You know, you see her doing Loewe and Burberry and Longchamp and Jimmy Choo and a million others, and she does really well in all of them, not to say she doesn't. But I don't think that it's as seamless of a flow between major brands as it is with Kim, at least in terms of the way it's
1: received. Do you have one single brand that you associate Kendall with in the way that you associate Kim with Balenciaga, like above all else? No, I honestly don't. I mean, the first few that come to my mind are probably Jimmy Choo and Longchamp. What about you? No, see, like even those, like they come to mind, but it's not a strong association in that way, which I guess as a model is probably for the best because if you're walking in one show, you don't want it to be like, the association is so strictly somewhere else. I think that her entire brand works because she's everywhere, but you don't automatically associate her with one or two really strong brand names. No, absolutely. You want to be able to blend. I mean, I guess by that argument,
0: you could say she's more transferable because not any single one is so overwhelming. It really depends the way that you look at it. And clearly that's intentional. They're both doing it in the way that works for them. But I'll put it like this. If you are walking up Fifth Avenue, right? currently, because obviously the billboards constantly change. You're first going to be hit with Kendall in the Prada window of Bergdorf's. And you go a few blocks later and you're going to be hit with Kim to the left on the Stuart Whiteson billboard. I am
1: significantly more drawn to the Kim one every single time. You know who you're going to be hit with every 10 seconds though. Bella Hadid. She is all over this city. You want to know how all over the city Bella is? You can't walk into Strand Bookstore without seeing the poster of her outside holding the tote wait, we were just having this conversation
0: about Bella a few days ago. And to me, if you ask me, who is the supermodel of the moment? I'm not even blinking before I say Bella. And I don't know if, That's because of the way that TikTok has taken to her or the way that she's just become so synonymous with fashion. I don't know what it is, but there is something about this current moment of Bella that I really feel like, wow, you are doing the damn thing. And I cannot believe you were the same girl that was on Yolanda Hadid's first season of Housewives of Beverly Hills being constantly compared to Gigi. Let me ask you a question that may be crazy. Is that Amelia in a couple of years? Did I not say to you, Julie? Amelia? say what you want about her, she is doing it right now. She is doing the thing that she set out to do.
1: The thing I want to say to Amelia, though, is you're going to be huge. Like, you're already so big. I see this in your future. Please step away from Kanye.
0: No, I know. And I think for her, because he's really used her as one of his muses, that that was probably such an honor. And she's overtaken by the way that she knows he could and maybe has skyrocketed some of her exposure. But to me, I'm like, this isn't going so well. and, And This association isn't going to do for you what I think you think it's going to do for you or maybe what it could have done previously. I I feel that I don't even really want to validate anything Kanye with the full discussion on it, but I do kind of feel like, and I could be wrong because we've said this many times before and it has proven to be not true, but I feel that we are maybe potentially getting into territory with Kanye where it's irreversible is a harsh word because I think he has been repeatedly forgiven or excused by the public, but I think we're entering a territory where it's going to get hard.
1: You know, I don't know. Like I, I definitely can't say for sure. Cause I, listen, I think that the public view of Kanye is different than it was to say that it has not changed or to say that damage has not been done would just be a false statement. I almost feel like we're at the point with Kanye where You either had people who never liked him and all his behavior does is continue to back up that narrative. People who used to like him and I can't excuse this behavior anymore and have just done a complete 180 in terms of their feelings, me, or people who will just continue to defend him no matter what. And I don't know if those people are ever going to be swayed. I think there is so much that he has done that if they were going to change their opinion on him, they would have already. And I actually think it's less of a responsibility of the public and more now a responsibility of people in the industry, people who work with him, people who actually have the power to hold him accountable for the things that he has done. Because as long as he's being given opportunities and platforms to continue to do what he's done, it's going to feel like his actions are being excused. As long as people go to his shows, as long as people continue to support his fashion and his music and the things that he's putting out. And not just the public, the names that are there and the people that are modeling in his shows and the people that are supporting him, both financially and with their support, this is just going to continue. I don't know if we'll ever hit a point where it really, really just
0: stops. I'll tell you something right now, there is nothing scarier than scrolling for a comment on a Kanye post from the comments account and feeling like you're accidentally going to like something. Like... it's gone to the point where if it said, you know, a Kanye post then liked by comments by celebs and 27,000 others, I'd be mortified because obviously it would be an accident, but it's very possible to accidentally like something when scrolling, especially when you're scrolling for a Gigi Hadid comment, which I'm not saying Kanye did this because I don't know if it was because of the words or if he did it himself, but to get that Gigi comment, we scrolled for, I'm not exaggerating, probably 25 minutes straight. And the only way we ultimately found it was if you did at the very bottom, it said, view hidden comments. I don't know if that means he hit it or if the words were muted or what that means, but that was real dangerous territory in terms of an
1: accidental like. It's a scary thing. I've accidentally done it before where I've scrolled and accidentally liked something and thankfully caught it and had that moment of like, what if somebody caught this? And not that it was something terrible, but it was just a complete accident on something that could have looked bad. Yeah, they make it way too easy to like a comment. I gotta tell you. Yeah, I think from now on, when we're scrolling, we have to scroll
0: from the left side of the page. You know what I mean? Like you're scrolling on the icons instead of scrolling on the hearts because forget about anything. You could like a comment that's like someone who's riding with Kanye
1: for life. I mean, listen, with my nails and your nails, it's hard to keep to one side of the screen. (laughs)
0: The place to find a place.
1: Welcome to Natayada Island. This season on Natayada
0: Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then, it's like I didn't exist. Don't take yada yada from your wireless
1: carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join, same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T
0: Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices. I want to go back to Kim and Milan for a second. When she's at dinner with Chris, Mario, Tracy, and her stylist, Danny, and she's showing how Pete did his first post on Instagram and then talking about how he's going to go to space, which as we all know, the date ended up getting switched and he ended up not going. But just hearing her talk about him, doesn't
1: it almost feel fake now? It does feel, I'm like, why is she talking about Pete Davidson? But you know what? It's like all of these different things that I remember happening in real time, I can see where Kim was when they were happening. So Kim buying that hat for Pete. Remember, it was such a thing when he was spotted out with it and they had the paparazzi photos of her shopping for it. Him joining Instagram and then leaving a couple of days later. Her talking about Kanye, texting her about a specific outfit that she wore was happening at the exact same time that Pete was joining Instagram and Kanye was about to go on that really big Instagram rant that he went on and that really, really dark time on Instagram. And so to be able to connect the dots there of what's happening and seeing the Kim behind the scenes of it is fascinating, especially because I wonder if the way that Kanye was on Instagram will be covered on the show. Because for her to read that text even though she was kind of joking about it and didn't take it as seriously, leads me to believe that we're going to get a little bit more behind the scenes of stuff happening with Kanye.
0: I am dying for that. She is laughing it off as if it's a joke, as if that's the way that they banter, which maybe it is. But to me, I'm like, can you leave her alone? Like, she's actually doing great on her own. She doesn't need any more of your fashion advice or I'm going to go as far as to say fashion control. And I actually thought the white glasses were really nice to switch out the black for a second. So like, I think Kanye has such a hard time coming to terms with the idea that like his vision will no longer control
1: what she wears. And to me, I want her to lean even more into that. And I think Kim has a hard time. Well, hard time is the wrong word. I think Kim protects herself by playing off these texts from Kanye. It's just, he just can't help himself. Like, oh, it's just Kanye being Kanye rather than like, No, this is hurtful. Like this is deeply, deeply hurtful that you're at home with our kids. I'm in Milan enjoying myself doing something and you still can't help yourself from criticizing me. I know. And the way that I viewed it is that
0: it's not even so much about what he said. Like if he had just said that and they had no fashion history, maybe you could chalk it up to banter. But to me, if I really dilute what he's saying and like reduce it to what I think the meaning is, is without me, you're lost. You know, like that's basically what he's saying here. Here, you don't have my input and you look like a fool. And I think wanting her to believe that so that in turn, she really goes back to believing everything that he says fashion wise is his ultimate goal. So to me, receiving that scene, I'm like, we're not going there. Like I will refuse that logic and that belief system that he so badly wants her to be sucked back into. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think Kanye in the post-divorce or mid-divorce era gets off on creating fashion insecurity within Kim because I think for him, best case scenario is her feeling like she's a little bit lost. She's not entirely sure of what she's wearing. And so then she needs to go back to him for that stability and for that vision that she relied on for so many years. Whereas for us, if you're someone who's a huge fan of Kim and also someone who's really put off by Kanye's actions, all you want is for her to lean into this independence.
1: Right. Right. And if you're Kim, you kind of have to protect yourself by saying like, well, at least we'll always have that that connects us. Like at least no matter how bad things get with me and Kanye, we'll always have two things. We'll have the kids and we'll have our fashion to connect us. And so like, I think she really holds on to that. I think that in a really twisted way, his criticism of her fashion is is almost still
0: bonding. It is. No, but that's what I'm saying. It is. And that's another reason that he knows it. Aside from what I really do believe, which is him pushing for her to feel insecure about it, it's the last thing that he has to hold on to. Or at least I think he feels. And honestly,
1: you're right. She feels also a little bit. You know, it's funny with Kanye. I think one of the reasons that people don't hold him accountable to the extent that maybe they should is because... He is responsible for a lot of people's early careers in the industry. Like he signed a lot of really big artists. He was a mentor to a lot of artists. He, he really had his hand in the fashion and music industry. And I think that people have a hard time really saying what they want to say or should say about him because they feel like they have to continue to pay some sort of homage to him or they have to keep quiet because like they're not going to, you know, maybe publicly support him, but as a show of respect for the early days, they're not going to come out against him. And I think that Kim almost has that a little bit in her too, where it's like, forget about him being the father of my kids. Forget about him being my ex-husband. Like I really owe him something for my career. And so as much as he hurts me and as many issues as we have, there is still that origin story there. And it's funny to watch Kim kind of grapple with that in the same way that Hollywood does. Absolutely. And we were talking about that kind of recently. I think that the
0: way that she viewed him early on as such an icon is still present in her somewhere, even though that's absolutely been tarnished by the way that he's treated her and her family.
1: Kim has also, in order to get through this marriage, had to take aspects of Kanye that are probably his worst qualities and find the beauty in them, find things that she likes about them. And so a huge part of her in the aftermath of this divorce is having to consciously change her thinking about those things. We were talking about that maybe last year
0: with the whole concept of how him being so outspoken was something that she had to learn to really appreciate about him because in so many ways it allowed her to not people please. And then what happens when that is then turned against her and against her family? How do you grapple with that? And she said, even in her statements, she will maintain, you know, this is the thing that I love about Kanye. He's a free thinker. What does it get to the point where it's like, I can't, I can't continue to have that view? I don't know. It's complicated. This would be a different world if they did not have kids together. But the fact that they have kids together complicates things to a really extensive degree.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen. Of course, it's easy to say because they have kids, it's really complicated and that 100% is true. But Kim also had her own relationship with Kanye separate from the kids that she's had to unlearn. And so, yeah, it all gets really fumbled together. A lot of it is her having to put on a show of respect for the father of her children because one day they're going to grow up and see these things. And North is at the age where she's consciously seeing these things. And so she really does have to, protect her kids in that way. But I think she also has to protect the relationship she once had. You know, it's really difficult to be like, oh, wow, this is the guy I married. Like, this is the guy that I had kids with. This is the guy that I fell in love with all those years ago. And so I think part of what she's doing now is having to be like, all these qualities that still exist in him are qualities that existed when I married him. And how do I grapple with the fact that Maybe they were bad then. Maybe they were bad then and I just saw them in a different light.
0: Yeah, in a big way. Although, I'll tell you one thing, he is putting her on the fast track to that realization by, I would say, some of his previous actions. It's like, it's almost as if he's saying, here, let me help you. That's how I feel, yeah. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor, it's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliyai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right, like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered it's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off and limited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Okay, back to Chloe, Chris, and Corey in Palm Springs. I know we discussed it a little bit earlier, not a hell of a lot to say, but just some top level thoughts. First of all, I till the day I die, I will never get sick of seeing that Palm Springs house. Every single angle, even just a smidgen of the back patio, whatever it is, I love that home. I feel so connected to it. And I think it is one of the most beautiful pieces of real estate that they own out of all of them. Two, I feel like Chris and drinking, specifically martinis, has become such a strong association and something that's just become a fun plot line over the years that I'm almost surprised weed hasn't made its way in more because she just feels like someone who would love getting high. Like to me, Kris Jenner loves to laugh and you never laugh harder than when you're stoned.
1: That's how I felt too. Like when she took that edible, I was like, how have we never seen Chris on an edible before? When they asked Chloe in confessional, they were like, what, have you seen your mom high before? And she said, yes. And they were like, what's she like high? And she's like, I'm not going to answer that. I'm like, no, not only answer it, give me like a 10 slide Instagram showing me 10 different videos from when Chris was high. Like to me, that is my happiest place. I'll take a high Chris over a drunk Chris any day. And I love me a drunk Chris. Any day of the week. I think that's also because we feel we resonate more. Yeah. There was something like I, we really connected to about this episode, like Chris being high in Palm Springs. I was like, we were just high in Palm Springs. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> it's like, that is my my ideal day. I could not believe the Caminos. The
1: Caminos just felt so personal. Those are our pride and joys. I wanted to say to her, like, you've made an excellent choice. And if you have any questions, please, please don't hesitate to ask. I can't say for sure. Because I know the the woman in the store said that it was lube.
0: But that pink canister, I'm almost positive was this tea. It's like, it starts with a K, the brands. And it's some sort of like arousal tea. And I've gotten it before. And (laughs) it does the trick, you know?
1: You should get the lube. (laughs) I'm going to get the loom, obviously. That was an amazing ad. The one thing I wanted to say about this Palm Springs scene before we move on is when Chris was talking about texting Tristan, I was like, I don't care about him making the playoffs. Like, I'm gonna tell you right now if there is one thing in the entire world I don't care about, it's Tristan's basketball success. I was gonna say, like, you know what? I think that this is a
0: conversation that should be had with anybody other than Chloe and by extension of telling Chloe on camera, us. Like, what I wanted to say to her is, Tell it to someone who cares, because as far as I'm concerned, if he never makes the playoffs again, it's too soon. A
1: hundred percent. Like, sorry if you're on Tristan's team, but like I, by extension, I hope you lose every game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so
0: Courtney, you know, I gotta say, she was on briefly, but I can really appreciate her talking about her IVF journey and talking about her body and the way that she feels about it and how supported she feels by Travis. Like to me, that's really healthy messaging that I'm so happy to see her saying.
1: Me too. Listen. I think that that sometimes we come down a little hard on Courtney, but this era of Courtney being so confident and really sharing her story and the things that make her happy and feeling so confident, like that's the Courtney I love to see. Obviously, I love her relationship with Travis and the insight to it, but like there's a certain point where it gets a little repetitive with just how all over each other they are. But when Courtney talks about the things that she's doing, the way that she feels, that's what I'm really interested in.
0: Yes. I actually think that because when they're together, so much of their dynamic is dominated by the PDA, that it almost takes away, not from their love or from their connection. You can see that very clearly, but almost from the non-romantic aspects of their connection, like the way that she feels so supported by him and safe with him and validated by him and all these things that she says that when she's describing it, I actually feel that I get a much better read hearing her say it than when they're on camera together, because when they're
1: on camera together, you're not hearing the words, you're
0: just watching them make out.
1: Yes. There is such a difference between Courtney talking about her struggles with, you know, coming to terms with the way that her body has changed as a result from the IVF and the hormones and really being able to say like, I actually love my body now. And a huge part of that is no matter what Travis tells me, like, you are perfect. Like if I complain, if I have one tiny day where I'm feeling off, Travis is there to say, you are perfect. To me, I get that message so much more when she is explaining it than when I'm watching them literally making out inappropriately in front of the entire family. And he's like whispering in her ear. Like I know that for her, they're the same thing and they carry the same amount of weight. For me as the viewer, explain it to me. Give me the breakdown of how it makes you feel. Don't like subject me to feeling a little bit uncomfortable watching it.
0: I really, really understand what you're saying. Like I very much connected with what she was saying in this confessional, especially because honestly, like not to personalize it, but the actual subject matter she was talking about is something that I also relate to where it's like when your partner makes you feel so beautiful and safe in your body, even at moments when you maybe aren't entirely sure how you feel about it. Like that is to me, one of the most spectacular forms of intimacy. Like I can specifically draw on moments in my life when the person that I have been with have made me feel so much more beautiful than I could ever have felt myself that day. And I will never forget that feeling. And the flip side of that is obviously being conscious of when you're around someone romantically or not, that doesn't make you feel beautiful and doesn't make you feel good about yourself. And so I I really get why to her that's such a big deal because to me, that's such a big deal as well.
1: Yeah, and also Scott didn't make her feel that way. Like, that is something where I can factually look back on their relationship and say, yeah, Scott loved her and Scott made her feel beautiful at times. But I wouldn't say that Scott gave her that feeling of safety of no matter what you look like, no matter what changes your body go through, I will always find you beautiful. Like, he didn't provide her with that security.
0: No, he would make comments. I I do remember that. I mean, it was a while ago, but it was still a thing. Which, you want to just talk about the elephant in the room? Like, is Scott not going to be on this season? I mean, we're so far three episodes in no mention or sight of him. I know that on the not skinny been off that podcast, Courtney said something like she doesn't really know if he'll be on. Like she genuinely has no idea. And she talked about her frustration with his involvement of her and Travis's storyline last season. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'd be really surprised. Like, Take anything else aside, forget about Courtney and Scott's relationship and the way that it has gone down. And technically, it's her show. I can fully respect that. But to me, Scott
1: was integral in building the show to what it is now. I'm shocked by the lack of Scott. Absolutely floored. And forget about showing him. Not one single
0: mention. No, I know. I'd be really upset if we go through the whole season without any Scott appearance or mention. That would feel like the end of an era. I would be really upset too.
1: I mean, First of all, aside from anything else, that's the funny man on the show. I know. Like we're losing a lot of comedic value in the show if you take Scott off. Like I need a little levity from a Scott scene. Or maybe Scott's just at a point where he's not able to provide us with that levity. And so if he was only able to be on the show in the context of the Courtney stuff... Maybe she didn't want him on and he didn't want to do it anymore. I don't know. I am really upset about it. Like, I do feel like not seeing Scott for three episodes straight is like, oh, my biggest fear is coming true.
0: No, that's a very legitimate possibility. And if that's the case and it's better for him and he doesn't want to be documented at the moment, that's something very different and I can fully respect it. I just would be really surprised and kind of confused. And also, honestly, and maybe this is bold to say, I almost feel it's at the point where it deserves an acknowledgement if it's not going to happen. Like Scott has been on our screen for 20 seasons of Keeping Up plus the debut season of the Kardashians. I think if he's going to no longer be there, there's got to be an acknowledgement, but we're just going to have to find that out. I do, my final point that I want to make regarding Pete is that I know we're all still holding our breath to see his involvement and if he's cut and what the deal is. It's a really good sign that Kim kept the mentions of him in this episode because she didn't have to. Like Milan for the Prada show with Kendall would have been enough without her buying a hat for
1: Pete. So her keeping that in feels intentional. Listen, like we said, we're obviously getting the Met Gallopete stuff. There's no way that they would cut that out. Obviously, TVD, if we're going to actually get that scene where, you know, she tells him to come shower with her. But regardless, we will still get him in that scene. And so I think that cutting out mentions of him would be really inauthentic. However, I think that it's probably less than we would have gotten if they were still together. And I guess the biggest piece that we're all wondering here is... Is this all, any mention of him, a lead up to a finale being about the breakup? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be kind of surprised
0: if the finale was the breakup. I just feel like that's not what Kim's trying to do. But then again, I'm surprised
1: that we haven't seen Scott in three episodes. So who am I to say? I will say that, aside from the first episode, obviously— I think that the reason that we have found these episodes to be a little bit more boring is because we're missing that major plot point. Like we're missing a big drama aspect or a big life event. And so personally, if I'm looking at the finale, the finale has to be something like that. It has to be some major life event or something really big that we're getting the behind the scenes of. I don't think it's gonna be the Met Gala episode because I think that it's too early in terms of recording. It's too close to. The Prada show, just if we're looking at it timeline-wise, Prada show is the end of February. Met Gala, maybe it is. It's beginning of May. You know, that could be the finale episode now that I'm actually having that thought process out loud. So maybe it's not the breakup that we get. It's them fully together in the Met Gala episode. I don't know. It's making my head spin a little to hypothesize on that. Yeah, because the breakup is beginning of August. And so maybe that's not what we're getting because the finale, like they said, probably had they been timeline-wise accurate, would have been Chloe's surrogate's pregnancy and the birth of the baby. And if that would have been the end, that was a month prior to the Kim and Pete breakup. So yeah, maybe the Met Gala will be the actual end. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I want to know and I also don't want to know because like, I just don't want it to end. Like I don't need a finale. Let's just keep it going, straight straight seasons. Except now we can take comfort in the fact that it won't be too long until season three comes back. Yes, that's true. That's true. (laughs) The other thing with Scott is that what we were predicting was his scenes being somewhat dependent on Pete's as well. Like we thought that we would see a little bit of that budding relationship. And so if we're cutting back on Pete's scenes, maybe that's where we've cut back on Scott's scenes as well. I really do
0: believe that if they were still together, we would have seen more of that. Honestly, I don't think that's wishful thinking.
1: I need to talk to Scott. I need to just call him and have a conversation with him on the phone, completely off the record. I swear to God, I won't tell anybody. If he told me to not even tell you, I wouldn't. I just have to know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see how long that would last. I'm a good secret keeper.
0: You are a great secret keeper, but you're not going to not tell me what Scott just said to you off the record. That would
1: just be insane. Well, if he asked me to... How can I betray his trust?
0: Oh my God. You think you know a person. I've only been doing this with you for what, six years? What? Six years? No way. Yeah. I guess five years, five years, five and a half. That's fucking crazy, huh? Oh God, we're so old. I know. We've been doing this for five and a half years and we've been friends for what? Seven? Five and a half years. (laughs) It's my favorite thing going back. on, like, did we even know each other before?
1: (laughs) No, we literally didn't. No, it's crazy. Okay, is there anything else that you would like to mention? I don't think so. Kylie's scenes were really like kind of nothing. Nice to see her back at work, but not too much to discuss there. Exactly. Thrilled to see her. I don't have a hell of a lot to say about her with the
0: Strawberry, but loved watching it. Yeah, well, maybe come back with us something a little better next week. That's all. <laughs> okay. Well, Isabel and I will be back tomorrow for Bravo, which holy shit, that Beverly Hills is like wild. And then we'll be back on Monday for the regular episode. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening.